0: Father, this morning we just come to you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We just want to thank you, praise you, worship you, Lord, that we still have you always with us. Your word that speaks to us, your spirit that empowers us. All we need is to obey. Said in your word, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the best of the land, the best life of Christ, the overcoming life of Christ. For you came to give us life and life in abundance. Teach us continuously, Lord, your ways. Show us your paths and empower us to walk in those ways, O Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, 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 amen. amen. So we are within the book of Judges. And we shall judge ourselves. first verse for today is from Romans 11 and verse 22. 11 and verse 22. Therefore, consider the goodness and the severity of God. We are asked to consider both goodness and severity. On those who fell, severity. Okay, those who fell, severity. But toward you, goodness. If you continue in his goodness, otherwise you also will be cut off. Off. Okay. Today we shall dwell on the goodness of God. Okay. Don't want to <laughs> depress you by dwelling on the severity of God. Okay. We have this, uh, young ladies with the, with a mask around their neck and their scarf on their head. They look like nuns. <laughs> I was suddenly looking, <laughs> when did these Catholic nuns come to my service? Okay. That was a distraction. Okay. So we see this pattern in the book of in the book of Judges, we see the goodness of God. We see their oppression. But actually what we should see is God's goodness. God's goodness. Okay? So we go to Judges six one. We'll continue with Gideon. He's too big a character. Okay. In the word of God. We have history. Then over the centuries, the Spirit of God has moved on different men who preached. And then we know which characters are important. If you read the Word of God, it looks like they're all important or they are not important. But over the 2,000 years of church history, you will see some characters the Spirit of God has over and over through men spoken. That's why Gideon is so important. Because Gideon is a reflection of every one of us. Fearful, desperate in the times we live. But what God can make us if we believe and we obey. So the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. Okay, you see this pattern. If you consider the Joshua generation has the first generation to possess the land, which they are. So the first generation you will see they are so zealous only thing they ask from Joshua is that we will obey everything. Where you go, we'll come with you. We'll obey. Only thing we ask that you walk with God as Moses walked with God. And anyone who defies you, we'll finish him off. So the first generation you will see is Yahweh, the living God alone. The second generation, you have Yahweh and other gods. By the time you come further down, the other generations, it is other gods and no Yahweh. Okay, this is the cycle we church also has gone through only jesus then only jesus and other gods we, we don't have idols but we have other gods education money name reputation all these are other gods and they we put it on side with jesus and then we use jesus to pump these things okay so the pulpit has become a place of actually exalting these idols instead of jesus christ the way of the cross of sacrifice and renunciation for the sake of the kingdom That is not what it is anymore because if it is that, people will leave the church because idols have come into the life. Okay, so we need to understand. We are not getting into that today, probably tomorrow. Okay, so then after some time, you know what has happened to US and the whole of Europe? They don't want God at all. They don't want Christ at all. Don't mention his name. We don't want him at all. Okay. So that's how it moves. That's how it moves. Okay. And what does God do? God in his goodness, God in his mercy, hands them over. Okay, like I said, he's not forsaking them, he's handing them over. Okay, so please remember this fundamental principle. The cycle is the same. You can never serve two gods. You cannot serve two gods. Okay. Even in pagan religions, you cannot serve two gods. You go to any pagan or Hindu home and this thing and ask them, ask them which is their Kula Devada, their family god. There may be other gods, but this is the big, big one. At the cost of the others, they will serve this. Okay, even in pagan religions, okay, that's that, you can't. You simply can't. Okay, you can't. You can't major in two subjects. One will be major; the other will be minor. It is not possible. Okay, so please understand this. It is not possible because it's the same cycle the church goes through. Say Israel forsakes, disobeys. God delivers them. When God del- delivers them, remember, it is discipline. It is discipline. Okay. We may, the child may think it has punishment, but God sees it as discipline. Okay. When the father spanks the child, the child says, oh, my father is punishing me. He's not. Though it may seem like punishment at that time, he's not punishing you. He's disciplining you. Verse 7 and 8 of Judges 6, The children of Israel cried out. Seven and eight cried out. And what does God do? God sends a prophet, an unnamed prophet is sent. Okay. He sends the word to you. You cry out in your condition, and God speaks through the word, a prophetic word, whatever it is. So you read your word in your devotion, God speaks to you saying, This is the cause for your condition. This is the cause for your condition. Okay? And this is the solution. Our issue is that we don't like solutions. We don't sell them. That's why people hate visits to the hospital. Only when it is unbearable, they will go. When the doctor says, when the doctor gives the, the doc, they don't mind the treatment. They will go through surgery also if there is no diet change. You touch the stomach. (laughs) Abigail is is shaking away. You touch the stomach. Then you will suddenly realize there was an idol there. There was a god there. <laughs> okay? <laughs> okay, I was telling, my wife was telling me this morning, mm, you didn't put any sugar in the oats. I looked at her and said, did your mother put sugar in your milk when you were small? She said, no. What did she say? Drink it. I said, same lesson. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's the same thing, okay? It's the same story. Now just close your eyes and drink it. Okay, if your mother didn't give you sugar, why should your husband give you sugar, right? It's the same lesson. If you learned the lesson then and forgot the lesson in the middle, so it's just revision. Because okay? so she was laughing, he said, "Okay, I read it all," and she took it all. Okay, so you need to understand. We struggle with all the way. Many <laughs> idols are picked up on the way, and we don't remember. We don't even realize these are these are idols and this idolatry is okay. And you, we, we do not realize. I mean, why has church Big, changed so much. Because you, you know what? In the past hundred years, entertainment became the big thing. Radio came in, then talk, movies came in, then talkies came in. Okay, that's the order. We call them movies, but they were actually movies first, and then talkies came in, and then it exploded. And you know what? We carried the idol of entertainment. And people are not entertaining the choice they will leave. And we do not realize that. Why do people nod away on this thing? Because they are they're not being entertained. Okay, entertained. Even a movie, you need to realize if they are not entertained, they will walk away. Yes. And sell everybody, don't go. Okay? You know how modern novels are written? modern The novelist may be a fantastic guy who knows his stuff and is extremely good. After he's written, goes to the publisher, he'll say, if this has to sell, we have to add. So you have people, specific people to write violence, to write sex, which is added into the book. So that it sells. The church has become the same thing. Same thing. And until we deal with these idols in our heart, let me tell you, God will hand us over to discipline us. How long will we stay there? It's up to you. Seven years in this case. Seven years. Why seven years? Because for seven years they will still trying to for a solution to defeat the Midianites. So live with the Midianites, compromise, whatever, without going to God for a solution. Okay, and that's what happens, okay. So God sends a prophet. He he speaks to you through the word, and this is the reason for your condition. Okay. Please understand this. If the problem in our life is created, is is a result of disobedience, other than obedience, nothing else will solve it. You can fast as long as you want. You can call a chain for everybody to pray for you. Nothing is going to change. If disobedience to God's known commands cost your situation, obedience is the only thing that's going to take it away. Nothing else will take it away. Fasting can maybe cause you to know, oh, this is the reason. Okay, Nothing else will. Please understand, people are trying for even spiritual shortcuts, which simply doesn't work. It doesn't work. You will still stay there. That's a prophetic voice that comes there and says, you know why this is? Because you disobeyed God. That is the reason. So if disobedience caused something in our life and we are going through it, if you want to get back with God, the only solution, the only solution is obedience. That's why God sent an unknown prophet. Okay. It doesn't have to be a known prophet. non prophet sometimes deceive. On youtube and television they're well known they have big names they have big so you know what now they have to prophesy what you want to hear otherwise their money will not come sometimes it's good to hear an unknown prophet who doesn't want your money who doesn't care to who's what you think about him. he will tell you this is what the lord says and he will walk away okay unknown prophet he's not for adulation he's not there for money he doesn't care who you are okay he may just speak what God tells you and walk away. And that's good to have an unknown prophet. We don't even know who this man is. God sent a word. Okay. We go to verse 10. Also, I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of Amorites in whose land you dwell, because you have not obeyed my voice. You have not obeyed my voice. I told you, I am the Lord. Don't fear them, because sometimes we start worshiping other gods because we fear them. Why do young people do almost all the things they do? It's peer pressure. It's another form of fearing that gods. If I don't cut my hair like that, you know, what will people think? I'm from the village. So they go and cut. Even though it doesn't suit their head, they will still go and cut it that way. Why do people keep changing their fashions? Because if I don't, I will look like one year older. Meaning last year fashion, was this year has changed. I want to be up to everything is pressure young or old i mean, i was the one thing that shocks me in india is that even in us and so many places they have told you can you can't wear what is called that yoga pants they have banned it in india it is common because the tights they wear is basically yoga pants you have to see old women wearing it old women wearing it and it shocks me the pressure of peer group that you just want to move in with the crowd. Move in with the crowd. And we don't realize it is idolatry. You have feared the gods of the Amorites. You have feared the gods of the Amorites. They say bend, you will say how low. They say jump, you say how high. There's no conviction about anything. Conviction for anything. And we need to understand that is a it's The God says, you know what, I told you don't fear them. Stand alone. Daniel stood alone. Daniel's three friends stood alone. What could they do? They could kill them. They said, if God wants to, God has no one. We are sure about our conviction. You know what? God stood with them. He stood with them in the fire. He shut the mouth of the lions. He vindicated them. He may not. He says, some of you need to come through and get your glory as martyrs. But he says, you are very, very sure about what is true. We will not fear the God of the Amorites and we will obey his voice. This is where it happens. So when you cry, why is this happening to me? The word of God speaks to you. Okay, Remember, the word of God speaks. He speaks. He will tell you the reason. Even King David, when there was famine in the land for three years, year after, year, he went and asked the Lord, Lord, what is, what is the issue? Why is there this famine in my nation? I'm doing everything right. The temple worship is going on well. Everything is cool. Everything is going on well, Lord. Enemies are all at rest, but the land is under famine. Nobody's is attacking us, nobody will attack you because they realize God is with David you attack them, you will get destroyed, so nobody is attacking land is at peace, worship is going on, but you know what there is no rain there is no rain, it is famine so he goes and asks what is what is the problem God says the problem is long back something happened, he gives you a solution Okay, he gives you, so this is the problem, this is the cause that caused the famine this is the solution what the solution is whatever way, through deception, the Gibeonites. But once that issue is resolved, rain comes. Rain comes. Okay? So please understand, if God allows trouble, oppression to come into our lives, (coughs) it is simply to get us back to Him. Then we must see it as discipline and not punishment. Discipline as punishment. Okay? And I'm telling you, when these kids are small, when they are small, you should discipline them. They will never know it is punishment. Give them milk without sugar. Make them eat carrots, all raw. Honestly, just, I was telling another mother also, when your children, when your teeth is starting it out, take the skin of the carrot and give it. Let him bite it instead of biting everything on the floor. He will start loving carrots. And that's the way some of the things have to be eaten. Okay, give them stewed vegetables without much salt and all that. You know what? They will eat anything. We are the ones who destroy them. They did not destroy themselves. We destroyed them with sugar and with all the other junk into it. No, you know what? You discipline them. Okay? You discipline them and they won't even realize it is discipline. Okay, it comes to them naturally. They won't even realize it is discipline. But after we spoil them, then suddenly the doctor says, you know what, your child is obese and is very dangerous. Because half the people who died of coronavirus died because of obesity. In US. Because if you look at US, half the food they throw away can feed most of Africa. And they still haven't understood it. (laughs) You don't have to eat so much. (laughs) No? No? The people have to buy two airline seats to travel one distance because they cannot fit into one seat. I mean, think about it. Think about it. No, you have to realize it's because what. Otherwise you will go, like India never learned the first year of pandemic. They did not learn the law. The people are dying because there is no oxygen. What was the government doing for one year? You know, and America does not realize they are in such a safe position because of the man who ruled earlier. And they don't give him any credit at all. Within weeks, months, they had tens and thousands of ventilators. They have surplus. And if, if Trump had won his second term, if he had been president, he would have given it to India. But Biden doesn't like India. He would give it to China if he asked them. He changed. Everybody said it is not possible, which is true. History of vaccines. No vaccine has come before two or three years. He started Operation Warp Speed. That's where the vaccines came. The whole world has got vaccines because he started something and the vaccine was ready. They said it is not possible. By December, vaccine was run. Ventilators were done. He moved so fast. But does he get any credit? And what did our government do? Didn't they know? No ventilators. There's no oxygen. A simple thing. You think about it. You know what? People are dying because there is no oxygen. And those who we are living, we are thriving because we are getting it free from God. We don't realize. That's why we begin every day by saying, Lord, today is a gift from you. Gift from you. Breathing it. How many people have died yesterday? Yesterday in that hospital, 24 people died because the oxygen tank leaked in the ICU. So we take things for granted without realizing that God is so good to us. So faithful to us. This is the time we have to value every breath. Because you know why? People are dying because they are not able to breathe. Literally dying. What is one of the things of corona that kills breathlessness. That's where oxygen has to be given. And it's a very simple thing. And it's, I find it very strange because India is one of, we are one of the most innovative nations on earth. Because of our way of thinking, because we know we are a poor country, so we are able to make, like, uh, when NASA sends something to Mars, which will cost them 50 billion dollars, we will send it for 1 million. We'll took parts from every vehicle that is on the road, fix it together and send it up. And you really think Indians cannot make ventilators? It's not such a complicated thing. It's, you know, why the government was busy doing something else instead of preparing for this eventuality. You know what? People die. People die. And that's what God is talking about. I have given it to you all. You know it all. All you have to do is do it. All you have to do it. But you know what? We don't do it. We will do it only when we come to that critical stage. Why? Because we like the gods of the Amorites. We like the gods of the Amorites. That's our problem. And then when God disciplines us, we say, you're punishing me. You hate me says, no, I don't hate you. I hate your behavior. I don't hate you. I love you. And children also think like that. You hate me. That's why you're punishing me. No. I love you. That's why I'm disciplining you. What I hate is your behavior. Your behavior stings. Your behavior stings. Okay. So God sends a word. Gives us a reason. And then the angel of the Lord appears to us. Fearful and a desperate man. A fearful and a desperate nation. And among them there is a man. Who's sitting in the wine press and threshing his wheat? Why? Why does the angel of the Lord come? He comes to deliver us. When we cry out to the Lord, He comes to deliver us. Now look at this. It took them seven years <coughs> before they cried out in the oppression that comes because of their sin. Why are they oppressed? Because of sin. Why did it take them seven years? Like I said, look at eleven twenty-five, Hebrews eleven twenty-five. Hebrews 11.25. This is Moses. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. You know why people wait? Because there is pleasure in sin. There is pleasure in serving the gods of the Amorites. The gods of the Amorites. There is pleasure in it. If we have to come to that point when pleasure becomes pain, then we will allow God to intervene. God will wait. God will wait. When everything starts falling apart, everything starts, in this pursuit of pleasure, when everything starts falling apart, then when we cry out, that's why it took seven years. It took seven years. You need to realize it doesn't mean everybody cries out. Cries out. Okay? They have to come to a point. Man has to come to a point where there is no longer any more pleasure in sin. Not that the pleasure in sin has been taken away, but the pain is more. The pain is more now. Then you cry out. But look at the goodness of God. The goodness of God is that it took them seven years before they cried out. And it did not take them, God, seven years to answer them. He answers us immediately. Call unto me. That's what God says on the day of your trouble. And You know what? He says, I will answer you. That is the goodness of God. God, okay, you went on that side for seven years. You know what? I will answer you after another seven years. God is not Laban. I served Rachel for seven years. Okay, okay. You have to serve another more. Seven more years. You know, he paid double for one girl. He served seven years for Rachel. He got Leah. He says, okay, you have to take Rachel also, but you have to serve seven more years. So he ended up 14 years. God is not Laban. He doesn't even make you serve him for seven years before he will answer you. He says, as soon as you cry, God sends him Okay, That is the goodness of God. None of us would probably never do it. Really, really do it. I do not know. Of course, we may do it with our own children. when They turn back and say, come back. It's okay. Forgot. But would we do it with others? Okay, He doesn't take. This is the goodness of God. Consider the goodness, the kindness of God. This is the humility of God. <clears throat> okay? And when he comes, <laughs> what does he tell? Gideon? First wait, Gideon. okay, I have, I'm choosing you, but first let me give you your resume. Let me tell you about all the junk you have done. He doesn't mention any of those things. He comes and points to his future. and God comes and talks to us about the future in Christ Jesus. What is your future? The prodigal son comes back. He has memorized on the on the way. He has memorized very clearly the script. This is who I am. I am not worthy. I am only good enough to be one of your hired servants. You know what the father does? But the father sending him, being the breast robe, put a ring on his finger, put sandals on his feet. was pointing to his future. You know who you are? Do you know what your future is? My son. My son. You are my son. He didn't didn't want to hear everything else because the fact that he had cried out and come back, he knew that he was ready for change. Okay? That's what God does. Verse 12 An angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of God. That's what what he says. Okay? When we cry out, God comes and says, You know what? I am with you. Verse 15. So he said to me, "Oh Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh. I am the least in my father's house. You know what? Gideon almost completely ignores what God tells him. Mighty man of valor. God is with you. He looks inward and he says, You know what? I don't see anything what you say in me. I don't see anything. And let me tell you, it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Okay? It's a good thing. What he's looking at is is the truth about us. Okay, We need to be very, very balanced in these things. In Philippians 2.13, there is a forgetting of the past. 3.13, 3.13, 313 sorry, not 2.13. No, no, 3.13. Brethren, I do not count myself have apprehended, but one thing I do, forget those things which are behind. That's what Paul says. Forgetting those things which are? behind. And 1 Corinthians 59. For I am the least of the apostles who are not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church. These are not contrary statements. Okay? You forget your past but you remember your past so that you are always grateful to God from where he picked you. You forget your past in the sense like that is not your identity which stops you from going to the front. But you never forget that is the one great quality of David. He never forgot where God picked him from, but Saul forgot very fast. And that's what says when you were small in your own eyes. Okay, small in your eyes. So these are not contradictory statements. And this is our problem. This are the this is our problem and fundamental problem. No, is this, like I, I keep saying that, you know, I went to Rajasthan once, uh, I was at Jaipur and I was at the Jaipur University and I was staying with one of the profs, okay, the profs, prof uh the university and I stayed, I was staying with his house and in his front room, just from Kerala I was from front room, there was this black and white picture framed, a small thatched hut, and a man and his uh, his wife and two, three small children standing in front, I said Oh, what's that? He said, that's my dad, that's my mom, that's me, that's my siblings, and that's my house. I keep it there never to forget where God brought me from. I should never forget where God brought me from. And that's our issue. the issue with most of the people is Christians, is that they forget where they came from, and therefore you know what? They, neither they, they strive because they want to you, Lord, you did not invest in me in vain. Lord one thing i want to do is that your investment in me was worth it okay and the second thing when they get a little success it gets into their head and now they forget where they came from and they become ungrateful ungrateful okay and that's one of the, one of the one of the issues with israel and issues with the church they forget okay jeshurun grew fat and then he kicked his makeup. kicked his makeup. and these are things which we need so these are not con- contradictory statements Paul is making. We should never forget everything we receive from God is a free gift because of His grace. We have earned nothing from God. Everything is a free gift. He owes us nothing. We merit nothing. That very thing should keep us humble and stay humble all our life. You know, sometimes it's very difficult to speak to self-made men self made men and women no they have worked hard, 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 and reached the pinnacle of success. It's very difficult to tell to them that salvation is a free gift because they have taken nothing free from anybody. I worked way my way up, so God will have to bring them to a situation where they are totally in a position where they are not able to help themselves, and then when they are, are they ready to receive. Okay. But we don't have to go that way. We don't have to go that way. Okay, So, it's a very good thing how Gideon begins. Let me tell you, many people in the Bible began that way. Most of them did not end that way. Gideon does not end as an humble man. Saul of Tarsus, Saul, uh, King Saul began as a very humble man. When they were looking for who is the anointed of the Lord, he was hiding in the baggage, but he ended up as a reprobate. Most people don't end up that way. That's the whole thing consistent because you see to, to, Israel and to people, theologians and all people will say many things about Moses, the lawgiver and everything. But what was one thing about Moses was that he was the meekest man, meaning he remained that way. So his last statement about his life is he's still walking with God. Because only meek people can walk with God and God will only walk with meek people. He never walks with the proud. So if you want God to walk with you all your life, this is a fundamental quality. It doesn't, as you are pressing forward, you may be reaching levels of success which other spiritual giants before you never reached. But you never forget from where God brought you that keeps you humble. That keeps you humble. You know, And that's the key. That's what God is talking about. Because verse 16, if you look in verse 16, and the Lord said to him, okay, he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't say no, 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 Gideon. That's not true. You are, you are not the least in the family. Actually, you are the greatest, and your family is not. You're getting it all wrong. No. What I'm saying is today it is all motivational speaking. God says, you know what? Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one. What is God saying? God is simply telling to His children, the only reason Gideon or any one of us will succeed in God's eyes is simply because God is with us. No other reason. We should hard work, work hard. But hard work is not going to make you successful in God's eyes. You should be righteous, but righteousness is not going to make you successful in God's sense. You you need to have good education. The best education is not going to make you successful. Wealth, if you have wealth, good for you, but it's not going to make you successful. If we are successful in God's eyes, it is simply because God is with us. God is with us. Therefore, this is this is the fundamental thing which we need. And these are not contrary things. If Ephesians 2 6 says we are seated with Christ Jesus, right? Romans 7 18 will say there is nothing good in me. It's not contrary statements. I am seated with Christ. Above every rule of power, principalities in the heavenlies. Yet Romans 17 says, I also know that is in my flesh nothing good. And you have to balance these both. Oh, I am seated with Christ. I am the king of kings and the cat's whiskers. Mm-hmm. That's how people walk around as if they are cat's whiskers. Seated with Christ. But there is nothing good in me. At one place, imputed with the very righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That is the gospel. That's Romans 1:17. On the other place, Isaiah 64, 6, your righteousness is like filthy rags before me. You have to, they are not contrary statements. Okay. We have been imputed when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ alone for our salvation. What God imputes into our spirit is the very righteousness of God. And then the next statement, God also will say, Your righteousness is like filthy rags before me we balance ourselves with these things so why do we go where we are going only because god is with us okay john 15 verse 5 god says without me you can do nothing without me you can do nothing while in philippians 4:13 paul will say through christ jesus i can do all things these don't contradict each other okay don't contradict each other so, in verse 16, what does God say? You will defeat the Midianites. You will f- defeat whatever is opposing you in life. Whatever is opposing you in your life. Whatever are the hurdles that you are facing in your life, you will defeat them. Each one has to look what are the hurdles that we are fighting, that has been blocking us, not unable, enabling us to go. He says, you know, you will defeat it. Why? Because I am with you. Surely I will be with you. So, what is that? The only thing we need to actually be very, very careful about to see that God is with us. I am with you. Okay. So, please remember, everything is based on a promise, not on promotion. Because today, most prophecies are promotions. The promotion is like advertisements, selling a product. Prophets, prophets come and sell a product. You know, you are the called one of God, and I see this happening. Before that, the man has put his collar up, and he's gone. It's promotion. Here, there is no promotion. It is a promise. I am with you. I am with you. So, much of what happens from behind the pulpit is sadly is promotion of self, not an exaltation of Christ. Okay, This is the actual crucified life. How do you know you are crucified? How do you know your flesh is crucified? How do you know yourself is crucified? Because you, how long can you endure a teaching that which only exalts Christ? In Christ alone. Because the whole mentality of the world is basically what is there in this for me? Merely a kya. What is there in there for me? Therefore it becomes promotion. It is not based on a promise. Okay? And what does it lead? It has led to what is the state of the church. It leads to individualism. Okay, that's what we teach. Everything is about self, self discipline, self promotion. Everything is about self. Yet the Bible is entirely against the self. Jesus himself, when he came, he had to fight himself. There is no self promotion in the Bible. It's only the exaltation of Christ Jesus. Okay. And if you read the entire book of Acts, they never promoted self. They promoted Christ. From the first statement they make in the public, what is that? Gold and silver we do not have. But what we have is Christ Jesus. To the point when people in Athens were trying to say they were gods, they tore their clothes. Tore their clothes and said, We are just like people like you. Just people like there's nothing different about us. We got an anointing upon us. But that is of God. Other than that, we are just like you. Right. Like Peter makes a statement, you are Christ. Jesus said, this is not from flesh and blood. This is the revelation. And then Christ says, upon this rock, I shall build my rock. Catholic Church took it and ran away with it. Because they promoted, they have been promoting Peter for the past 2000 years. The church is built on Peter. Peter is the first to be car, And the Pope has the keys of the kingdom. And they promoted. They did not promote Christ. Peter never promoted uh, himself. Okay. You know what? The flesh loves it. Loves it loves it. So we have to ask this question. Are we promoting self or is it Christ? Verse 14. Verse 14. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours. You shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? The question is, what is the strength? Where does our strength come from? You see what is happening over there is God is sending him. We call it commissioning. Commissioning. The strength comes from who sends you. Are you commissioned? You know, we 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 hear about in the army they have commissioned officers. You have to go for their ceremony. That's when they get their badges. When the police academy, when they pass, they come out as commissioned. They're getting their commission, commissioned officers. And when they are, they do something against the rules. And when they are decommissioned, they are ejected from the army. One of the things what is done publicly is it's torn from them. They're decommissioned. Okay. Ships are commissioned. When naval ships are being sent out, the first thing, but today, old days, they anointed with oil. Today, they break wine over it. You can see the difference. It is commissioned and sent over. Commissioned. You are being commissioned by God who sends you. That's a power. That's the power. The strength comes from who is sending you. Right? We see in the book of Genesis, The narrative is different. What is the book of Genesis? Joseph's brothers sold him. But Psalm 105, 17 says, God sent him. He was commissioned. That's why they couldn't destroy him. Because he was sent. He was sent. He was commissioned. Right? In Genesis 46, verse 2 to 5, Joseph, the prince of Egypt, is calling. The governor of Egypt is calling. Cards have all come in loaded with stuff to take the whole family. Then God spoke to Israel in the visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob, and he said, Here I am. He said, I am the God, the God of your father. Do not fear to go down to Egypt, for I will make you a great nation there. I will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also surely bring you up again, and Joseph will put his hand on your eyes. Then Jacob arose from Beersheba, and the sons of Israel came. You know what? Jacob is being sent. And God says, You know what, Jacob? You're going down. You're not going up. You're going from the promised land to Egypt. But you know what? I'm coming down with you. I'm coming down with you. I'll come with you. And I will see you are fine. And Joseph will close your eyes. And I will bring you back. Okay? That's the power of a mission. When God sends. In Exodus chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. And then verse 12 and 17. Therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. He's being commissioned. Okay. He's being commissioned. 4.12. 4.12. 4.12. Now, therefore, go, and I will be with your mouth, and teach you what you shall say. He says, I'll go with you. I will teach you what to say. Verse 17. And by the way, you shall take this rod in your hand with which you shall. You say, when God sends you. <laughs> when God sent him. What did he need, this stick? That's the power of who is sending you. When God sends somebody. Okay? God sends him. God sends him. John chapter 1. Or Joshua chapter 1, verse 2 and verse 5. Joshua chapter 1, verse 2 and verse 5. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over to this Jordan, you and all these people to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days. You know why? You know simply why Joshua could not be defeated? It's because he was sent. It's a man who was sent, to whom God spoke. Okay. And Gideon is being sent by the same God. God is not a respect of people. It can be any man, any woman. It doesn't matter. If you are sent and you stick, walk with God, God says, you know what? You are indefeatable. Because if you are defeated, then God is defeated. Okay. John 1 6 and Mark 1 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Okay. There was a man sent from God. Whose name was? It's commissioning. And look at words, Mark 1, 6. John was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts and wild. When God sends you, your attire does not matter. It doesn't matter what you are and what you eat. What you eat. you know, Because you will suddenly see all of us popping over India, everything. The minute a man thinks he's been called, I don't know whether he's called, and sent, immediately has a tie and a suit or a waistcoat, and he's changed his costume completely. Now he's eating with a fork and spoon. What happened to you? Who sent you? Who sent you? That's my question. Who sent you? You have to see how people change. And they say, God sent you. But God sent you. Why did you change so rapidly? (laughs) You're not changing inside. You're changing outwardly. Jesus would be very comfortable in India because he would sit down with us on the floor and eat with his hands. And if he spoke English, it still would have a Hebrew accent, Aramic accent. He would be very comfortable. You know what people do? When you are sent, when you know you are called, when you know you are sent, you know what? You don't have to worry so much about things. You just have to see that God is with you. That's all you have to look at, whether God is with you. Mark, Matthew chapter 28. And verse 18 to 20, 28, Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Why do disciples go out? Because they have been commissioned. When they are commissioned, what does God say? Teaching them to observe all things that I commanded you. All things. And we are not hesitant because when you are sent, you will not cut and paste. You will not selectively preach from the word which you know. If you only preach blessings, people will be very happy with you. But you have to preach curses also because that is also there in the Bible. The The blessings of obedience is around 13 or 14 verses. The curses of disobedience runs for pages. Right? Much of the Bible is discipline. What people got for misbehaving. And here and there God will say there was a man after my own heart called David, my son David. <laughs> hmm? He also got spanked. That's why he became a man after God's own heart. He got spanked right royally. Okay. Think about it. You no, know? honestly think about it. You no. Know? Observe teaching them to observe all things that have commanded you. And what does he say? As a commission, as I sent you, I am with you always. When you are sent by God, God doesn't leave you halfway. It's a man of his word. He's a man of your word. He says, I am with you always. So the question is, it matters who sends you. Who sends you. It matters. If you go to Delhi, New Delhi, the, the diplomatic enclave. there are so many embassies over there. but then there is one embassy which is above all embassies, which is the U.S. embassy. Why? Right? Because U.S. sent that man that nation has it had clout now it doesn't have much clout because you see one year back there was peace in the world Middle East was quiet everybody was quiet now Russia has moved 100,000 troops to Ukraine they are thinking what a third world war could start by mistake like the first and second all was mistakes by accidentally started the whole thing they have moved over there because they know there is no Trump in the White House China has already 24 violated Taiwan's airspace because they want to take Taiwan they moved their um, Navy ships all around the Philippines, threatening Philippines. The uh, the madman in North Korea has been firing. We don't know what he's firing, but he's been firing. If the cat is out, all the mice are out to play because they know there is no Trump in the White House. There's no Trump in the White House because when he said something, he meant it. He said, this is the line you draw, you cross it, I'll finish you off. And he did, while the others kept on moving the line. So there is no threat of force from the current Biden White House. The only force you see from the Biden White House is his dog bites the Secret Service. That's the only force you see. (laughs) So you see what is happening is that when who sends you, who speaks matters. Okay. After within weeks, they understood this businessman from Queens, New York. Meant what he said. You cross the line, you will pay the price. ISIS was, ISIS disappeared. He just blew them out of the ground. Okay? And everybody got the, listen. Like he went to cross to North Korea, shook hands with them and he says, if you're good, I am good. If I'm bad, I, if you're bad, I'm terrible. That's what he told them. And everybody was quiet. Vladimir Putin was not doing anything. That other fellow never shot a missile after that. Everybody, was. China was like more worried about the tariffs was putting on them. His simple thing is that you don't have to fight. You can sanction them. Money talks. You can sanction them out of this world. You don't have to lose a single soldier's life. And it worked. And whenever sanctions did not work, when they were trying something, he said, shoot. He gave this thing, okay? But now what you're looking at over is that that's why it matters who sends you. Because your words you speak has to be backed up with authority and power. And Jesus said, you know what? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go in my name. And then he says, in my name, these things shall happen when you step out by faith. Uh, You shall cast out demons. You shall heal the sick. They will try to kill you. You take poison, you will not die. You will not honor the things which I speak over my wife, my family all the time. They can try anything. You know what? We shall not die. We shall love and declare the works of the Lord. Everything is poisoned. Everything is poisoned. But we shall not die. We shall love and declare the works of the Lord. You shall pick up serpents. And they shall not harm you. I mean, You shall deal with powers of darkness. You shall deal with powers of... Nobody picks serpents shall deal with powers of darkness. And you know what? Why are we able to go like that? Because of who sent us. The Midianites are like sand on the seashore. They're coming like locusts in a swamp. And God tells Gideon, I am with you. And you know, at the end, he whittles his entire army down and says, 300 people, that's all you need. Three has won; 300 has won. That's all you need because I am with you. It's not a 300 who won the battle. It is God who won the battle. This is what God is talking about. This is where faith comes from. Faith comes from. So the question we need to ask is, are you commissioned? Do you know the commission? Do you know who sent you? Okay, in verse 17, we know Gideon asked for a sign. Okay. Not Judges 6, 17. He says, show me a sign. Okay, he asked for a sign. You see, God is not upset when you ask. Show me a sign that it is you who (coughs) talk. I also said when I God was calling me to full-time ministry, you see you're being commissioned into something. I want to be very sure it is you who is calling me. That's all. God has no issues with it. We have to be very sure who's calling us. Now the devil comes and speaks in the voice of God, and you go out and suddenly you realize oh nothing is working and you keep on changing your theology five times in six years. Right? The, 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 the devil will call you and send you He's Laban. He will change your wages ten times. He's not for you. He's against you. But he pretends he is for you. So God has no issue with you asking God when He is commissioning you. Lord, give me a sign. Why is what is the sign? It's only thing is that I want to know that it is you who talk with me. That's the only thing. Just for confirmation. You look like an ordinary man sitting on a rock with a stick in his hand. But every man I know carries a stick in his hand. You look like anybody. But you came and spoke words over me that nobody has ever spoken. I just want to know that you are God speaking to me. That's all. And I'm telling you people, when you're called, you should ask for a sign. You should ask for a confirmation. And God spoke to me and called me for ministry. I didn't tell a single person. I just went home. But before going home, I called three people from my church. The pastor and two other senior people whom I loved, respected. And I told them, no, God is telling me something. Separately I told them, God is telling me something. I'm not telling you what He's telling me. I'm going home. When I come back, let me know what God told you. Every three of them said, God is calling you to full-time ministry. Quit. He prayed and the Lord said, tell him, tell James, this is a confirmation. I said, okay, well, I just asked for a sign. Because you can't step into it because the whole kingdom of God is in a mess because people put their hand on their plough and they look back. They look back. They look back. And He says, you're not worthy of the kingdom if you look back. You can't quit. You can't quit in this business. So when he's commissioning you, it is not bad. You ask for a sign. Are you commissioned? Is it good for a sign? Make sure you are truly called and sent. Because it should not end as a disaster. And the first thing, make sure you are truly born again. Second thing, if you go into ministry, make sure. Sir, so you can come and sit here. If there, I think it's... Yeah, come and sit. Okay. Second thing, if you are into ministry, make sure you are sent. Don't end up before God and He say, I never knew you. I never knew you. So be sure about these two things. Lord, because the witness is the Spirit of God inside you. It's a witness. It's a living person. That's that's the awesomeness of salvation of a believer, unlike a pagan. Pagan is God never gives him any confirmation he is saved because no pagan God can save his, his devotee. No God in any pagan religion from ancient times still today has said, I will save you. They may try to deliver them from their problems, but there is this concept of a salvation from your sins is not there in any religion. You have to save yourself. There is no savior. There is no savior. There is only one God who comes and says, I will save you. And when he saves you, Jesus has said very clearly, the Holy Spirit, this is the gift I give you. That is a sign. What is that? The Holy Spirit. And what does the Holy Spirit say? He immediately teaches you to call God Father. The Spirit within you calls you Abba Father. He convicts you, He speaks to you, He talks to you, and something real living takes place inside. And you know what happens? That's a sign. That is a sign. So we shouldn't end up. Okay. And if you go after that, he said, I will give you you no a sign. Okay. And what is that? I'm going to make an offering for you. I'm going to make okay. We looked at the significance of the sacrifice. Okay? But look at verse 18. Do not depart from here. I pray until I come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. He said, I will wait until you come back. This is another facet of the goodness of God. You know what God says? I will wait for you. Today we said, you know, how how much time? I said, has anybody ever skinned a chicken here? And nobody did. I think there was only one person here. <laughs> Brother Rafat and I are the only ones who know how to take a live chicken and come to the last stage. That is, put it on your plate at the dining table. Stage one to last stage, terminal stage. <laughs> okay. So even a chicken takes time. You have two choices. With skin or without skin. Without skin, fast. With skin, it's difficult. No, it's not flocking. First you have to boil the water hot and dip the chicken in it. Then only this, this thing will come out. And after it has all come out, you have to light a fire and roll it over it. The rest of the feather is all burned off. Okay, then how you cut it, you have to be very, very careful how you cut the chicken because if you cut that thing in which the bile is, the meat is gone. So there are two bones over here which you have to slice and then you pull it open like that. Otherwise, the chicken is gone. Okay, this is a chicken. He was preparing a goat, which has got more bile than a chicken. You know what God says? I will wait for you until you come back. Because why is so important, especially today's world? Nobody has patience. Parents don't have patience with children. Children don't have patience with parents. Husband don't have patience with wives. Wives don't have patience. Pastor has no patience with the congregation. Congregation has no patience with the pastors. This is a time of impatience. In the middle of it, there is only one person who says, "I will wait for you." It is God. It's only God who waits. Nobody waits for anybody. Nobody waits. Public transport is there it 's supposed to be for public service. The man looks at the watch. People have not come. He takes the bus and goes. And there's not a single passenger in the bus. He takes takes and goes it 's not a public service he 's just serving himself for the salary. If he had waited two minutes, ten passengers would have come. He looks they are running the he just takes off. That is why the best runners in India are from Kerala because that fellow never stops for anybody all our life. We were running after buses. <laughs> The joke in Kerala was why is Kerala produced all the short the runners? P.T. Usha, Md Walsam, all the Olympic ones. Why? Because the KSR Test trained us how to run. (laughs) You know why? Nobody has patience. Let me tell you about modern mothers. Do you have patience? Everything is nuked. Microwave, microwave, all fast. Everything is fast. Everything is fast. No patience. Studies, no patience. You know what? Just look at the last 10 years question papers. And study it. Nobody wants to read the text. We have used to have professors by saying that if you ever come to the class without knowing your text, don't come. You need to know your text. And I still remember our English professors at PG saying that. I don't want to hear that name called Ramji Lal. I still remember. Ramji Lal was a North Indian guy. who used to write all the guides for Shakespeare. He says, when I see your Sanskrit script, I will know whether it is you or Ramjilal. <laughs> that put the terror in our hearts. People don't read text, they only read guides. People don't read their Bible, they only listen to sermons. One is the text, the other is the interpretation. But if you know your text, even if the interpretation goes wrong, you can correct yourself and the Spirit of God can Turn you back and says, "No, that was not right." That's why the Bible talks of this—an anointing that rests upon the speaker, an anointing that rests upon the teachers, and it is the anointing that teaches you all things. These are fundamental things which of a, of a living Christian, a walk of faith, and that's what God is talking about. God is incredibly patient, okay? Because nobody seems to have time. Nobody seems to have time. And it's only <coughs> when we go to God. That is why you should fundamentally look at believers, strong believers, no genuine believers. You will tell them, how is that you can perform? How can you worship for two hours? Me, five minutes and my mind is wandering. How can you sit and study the word for three hours? You know what? Because we encountered God and you see that he has no issue with time. You spend three hours with him, he will sit with you for three hours, which a father on earth will not do with his own child. That's why you can worship him. For three hours, two hours, when he comes in, he doesn't leave. He stays with you. That's what worship makes worship worship. I enthrone myself in the praises of my people. You know what? God says, I have no issue with time, my child. You come to me, I will wait for you. You do your sacrifice, everything, and come. Prepare everything and come. Prepare it to come. Who is the one who is saying, I will wait for you? This is God Almighty. This is God Almighty. So These are parts of God's goodness. God is humble. Okay, God is humble. God is patient. Okay? And God receives his sacrifice. God receives his sacrifice. See, offering is one thing. Receiving is another thing. Offering is one thing. Receiving is one thing. So you can put your money into the offering bag. That doesn't mean God has received it. pastor received it. The church received it. It doesn't mean God has received it. Offering is one thing. Romans 12, 1. Offering is one thing. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of bo- God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, meaning daily. How? Two things. Holy and acceptable. Two things. Two things. He says, you Lord, I come to you, Lord, and I offer you my body, my life. He says, so it's not either holy, neither is it acceptable. Holy and acceptable. So he offered his sacrifice. God received his sacrifice. It was offered on a rock and the Bible says he touched it with his rod and fire came out of the rock. Okay. And the rock is Christ, we saw. You have only two choices, ultimately. God says, fall upon the rock and you shall be saved. The rock will fall upon you and you shall be crushed. But what happens is when, and both, both, times there is fire when you fall upon the rock fire comes out of the rock and starts cleansing you or one day the rock will fall upon you and fire will consume you for our god is a consuming fire so it is better to fall upon the rock and allow the fire of god to consume us without destroying us rather than allow the rock to fall upon us and the consuming fire of god come upon us and he consumes us Malachi chapter three verse two the fire that comes from the rock upon his children. Chapter 3, verse 2 and 3. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For is like a refiner's fire and like a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi, Levi priesthood, and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. That's what, what, that's what God is doing with us. What is the purpose of the ministry of the word and the ministry of the Holy Spirit so that one day we can offer something in righteousness? And God says, accept it. Your offering is accepted. So is our offering acceptable? Is our offering? Go to Malachi chapter 1, 6 to 9. Look at God saying to Israel, A son honors his father. That was in the old days. A servant his master. That was also in the old days. Now he has a red flag and says Zindabad. If then I am the father, where is my honor? If I am a master, where is my reverence? Says the Lord of hosts to you, priests, who despise my name. Yet you say, in what way have you despised your name? You offer defiled food on my altar. But say, in what way have you defiled you? By saying the table of the Lord is contemptible? When you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Offer it then to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts? But now entreat God's favor that he may be gracious to us while this is being done by your hands. Will he be accepted favorably? See, there was a sheep gate and every sheep had to be inspected. What is to be? You know what they took? They were making money. They took all the blind, the lame, everything, and they were offering it as. And ask ourselves, isn't that what we do? We keep the best for ourselves. We keep the best for the world. And then we give God what nobody wants. When you are just falling asleep. The last five minutes before our eyes close, here, Lord, my offering. God says, you gave your best time to the whole world for everything that you're pursuing. And then at the end of the day, you come to me and say, Lord, here is my offering. You know what you brought? The blind, the defiled. Is it holy? Is it acceptable? Oh music. We listen to every junk out there in the world. We know the names of every... I don't know, are they, I don't even know where they can be called musicians. Okay. We listen to all of them. Then on a Sunday or a worship service, we stand with our hands in our pockets, stands like this, and then we sing the songs, five minutes, ten minutes, and say, Lord, my offering. My offering. Here is my offering, Lord. Okay. This is what happened to Israel. The thing is that what they do, and how kind God is. God said, okay, go away. I don't want Israel. I will pick, pick let me say, I'll pick Burma. <laughs> Burma would have been a different nation. That's exactly what you said. If the miracles which I did among you was done with Sodom and Gomorrah, the most reprobate cities in the world, if I had been done to you, they would have been till today. And that's exactly what will God say. What I did among you, if I had done among the Muslims and the Hindus, they would have stood up and grabbed me with both their hands, but I did to you, and you you took it for granted. You took it for granted. No they are blind. They have no knowledge of God. They have never experienced the living God. Okay, and that's exactly that's this, this is what Sadhusundar Singh told in nineteen thirty six or twenty six or something in the biggest convention every year you have in Kerala, Maraman Convention. Mm-hmm. At the banks of the river, tens and thousands have been a convention except during this pandemic. I think this is the first time in over a hundred years almost the convention did not take place. Every year it takes place. one of the biggest Protestant conventions. And when Sadhu Sundar Singh was speaking at the convention, he said, You Malayalis from Kerala, you Syrian Christians, are like a stone in the water. Your outside is covered with the gospel. It has never entered your heart. Your heart has a rock. It has not entered your heart, but saturated by the Gospels. 2,000 years. It's an indictment upon my own people, which is true. It's true for, can be true for any one of us. And that's what God is talking about. Okay, This is, God accepted Gideon's sacrifice. So to the one who God offers, a sacrifice that is acceptable, God accept the sacrifice. And to him, what does God say? Verse 23, peace. Peace. Do not fear. Peace. Okay. See, none of our offerings could ever be accepted. So God offered his own son as a sacrifice. Understand this. He offered the only sacrifice that would be acceptable to God was the sacrifice of his own son, who lived a blameless, sinless life. That sacrifice was offered, and God receives it now god says anybody who comes through that sacrifice alone to him what will i say peace peace with god he looked at that too peace okay do not fear no more fear and verse 24 what does he do So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it the Lord is peace. I kept on saying Nisi, Nisi, but it is Shalom. The Lord is Yahweh, Shalom. What did he do? He built an altar. This is the key. This is the key. See, God can appear to people in different ways. In his case, an angel of the Lord came, can appear. Okay, He can appear through the word. Even now, speak to you through the word. He can speak to you through a dream or vision. A healing, a deliverance. God can appear to mankind in so many different ways. He can touch his children. The question is, at the end of it, what is my response? Have I built an altar to him? That's the key. Have I built an altar to him? An altar is a place of sanctification, of consecration. Otherwise, you know what? I received something from God, but I did not respond by building an altar. It will not last. What is Abraham known for? Abraham built no city. He built no boat. He built no house. He is known as a man who built altars. From the altar in Shishim to the altar in Moray, From sheep to his own son. He was willing to consecrate everything. Because when God appeared to him, he built an altar. That is what defines a believer. If you have really accepted the appearance of God in word, dream, vision, miracle, healing, deliverance. Have you built an altar is the question God is asking. Have you consecrated yourself on the altar? If you have not, you ain't going nowhere. God loves you. God cares for you. But you are going nowhere because it is the altar that will define everything. That was the issue with Mary and Martha. Mary was the one who was demon possessed, seven demons. Martha was never possessed by demons. But once she was delivered, she was consecrated. You see her sitting at the feet of Jesus Christ. Seven days before he dies, you see her taking the bottle of spikenard, anointing him with the oil. You know why? Because she had an altar in her life consecrated. Ten leopards were healed. One came back. You know why? Because he was healed, he came back. And he consecrated himself at his feet. Jesus said, you go in peace. You have been made whole. Because every encounter which we have with God should lead to consecration. Otherwise the encounter is wasted. Gideon builds an altar. Many blind men were healed by Jesus. But when Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus was healed, you know what? He followed Jesus too. Jerusalem, though his house lay in the other direction. This is what God is talking about. Do we have consecration? It's an act of faith. Lord, here am I. I offer myself to you. Consecration. Verse 25. Now it came to pass the same night the Lord said to him, Take your father's young bull, the second bull, seven years old. Tear down the altar of Baal that your father has. Cut down the wooden image that is beside it. Let me tell you, it's the difference. The difference. Do you know what the difference is? God spoke to him many times. Mighty man of valor, He spoke. He spoke many times. But this is different. Though it is saying it has said, it is not a said. It's a command. It's a command. Take your okay. Take your bull. In our regional language, I don't know how it is in Telugu. In Malayalam, it says. Ah, I get pinched. You know what? God cannot command people who do not have altars. Understand that. God has never told me anything to do. He simply says you do not have an altar in your life. God cannot command you. You hear the word of God has counsel, has advice, opinions. It's your imagination. Yesterday, Pastor Vijay was telling, which is true, God rules by decrees. The president of India rules India. And he has a cabinet at his pleasure who will counsel him. God receives counsel from no man. No angel counsels him. He rules by decrees. When a man has built an altar and consecrated himself, God is able to command to him and says, do this, do this, because he knows that man will obey. And because we do not have altars, God doesn't tell us anything. So you know what pastors have to do? They have to give you a feel-good message. God loves you so much. Don't worry. In all your life you go through, never receiving a command from the Lord which would have changed your destiny. Not only you would have been delivered, you would have become a deliverer, a source of deliverance to so many others. That's the difference here. God commanded him. This is the difference of accepting Jesus as Savior and accepting Jesus as Lord. The same Jesus Christ whom you crucified, God has made him both Lord and Savior. Most people only know Jesus as Savior. Therefore, they hear the word of God has advice, counsel, suggestion. But When the altar is built, you hear it as a command. Quit your job. You quit. Move to that place. You go. What am I going to do there? I don't know. I was landing in Theskut so many years ago in the airplane. I was looking. Out. What am I doing here? What am I going to do here? I don't know anybody here. One man I know. One man. I have been told by everybody, don't meet that man. Because this is terrorist controlled areas. Alpha. Height. 1997. Height of alpha. And this man is very senior officer in the army. You are going to live in the civilian. I had gone earlier, taken a house also. Cleaned it and come back. Now going back. Don't meet him. It's dangerous for you. What am I going to do here? I don't know anybody. But he told me, go. I land over there. Get check-in for the temporary residence for that evening in the guest house. Evening, there is a, you know the gypsies you see here? The army gypsies? Green gypsy waiting outside. Saabji has sent a vehicle to come to his house. I said, here we go. You know, when I reach the home, reach his home, crowd is gathered. I begin my ministry that same night. There's a crowd gathered over there and I start getting to the North church on the first evening. I reached that state. I didn't know anybody. I didn't know anybody. And I started knowing people from there. I was there for years. And today the kids I ministered met everybody there. All around, all in ministry, doing well. You know what? But I didn't know anybody when I went. All I had to do was obey his command. Same thing when I went to the other country. Knew not a single Christian. Single Christian. I didn't know anybody. The ones I knew were not Christians. (laughs) And I was given one name from Hyderabad. There was a lady who was married to a person of that country in Hyderabad. Somebody gave me her number and said, call her. So my students books received me, put me in the hotel. We are all having dinner. I just wanted to get rid of them. They wouldn't see because they're seeing me after 10 years. So you come back. They were crying and everything. I said, Okay, I'm tired. I need to sleep. They said, Okay, sir, what have you come here? I said, I've got work. What do you have to give one evening for us, Lord? All our children, now they're all married with kids. We need to come. And to show they say in their language, Baje. Baje means grandfather. We have to show them their grandfather. I said, Okay, one day I'm not free. I couldn't tell them what I had come there for. And as soon as I left, I go to the Desk and I said, I need to call this number. And I called up, and I said, um, You're very careful, those days. I said, Hello, this is, uh, I'm from, I've come from India. She, she said, Hello, yes, India. I said, I'm in the ministry. So they won't understand what ministry is, home ministry, finance ministry. That's the only ministry then. I said, I'm in the ministry. She said, Oh, I said, Where are you staying? I said, I'm staying here. She said, Well, I can't do anything because my husband has gone to the India house, the Indian embassy to play tennis. So I don't have a vehicle. She said, Okay. She said, Go downstairs. Go downstairs. You will see a STD booth, phone booth. and You will see a lady sitting over there. Her name is so-and-so, Chetri. But the baptized name, the second name is Ruth. Just go say Ruth and she will do the rest. So I went there. This is lady with these headphones sitting there and listened to me. I said, Hi, Ruth. She looked at the stranger. How did you know I was a Christian? From there, the next day, I knew all the pastors and I was ministering in the underground church. I knew nobody. I knew nobody. Okay. Yeah, nobody. and I did not even know what was happening in that country because the Lord told me go to this nation, he opened up the doors I couldn't even get a permit to enter you need to understand I couldn't get a permit to enter the country, so I preached in a church which was outside in India and I said I have come here, the Lord has told me to go but I do not know how to enter because they won't give you for single people coming those days why are you coming alone as a tourist and all when I finished, I came out a gentleman was standing over there, he is a northeast guy he says, Hello. I, and I you know what uh, you want to go into the country? I said, yes. He said, just come and meet me at my office. I said, yes, sir. He said, I'm from Shillong, but I'm in charge of CWC. CWC means Central Water Commission. Inside this country central water commission inside india okay okay okay, okay. <laughs> central water commission he said i am the chairperson chairman of the uh, for the central water commission inside this country and i am authorized to issue passes for anybody to travel inside this country you come over there i will make a pass for you i'll put you as my brother because we are all one in the lord i got the pass nobody checked me i got in through every step of the way god was there okay every step and then the Next, first Sunday, I'm I'm preaching in a church. And the church is like this. It's an apartment. People have all gathered and they're very scared because the previous Sunday, cops were coming, taking pictures and everything. So every time the bell rings, everybody is scared. I was wondering what is happening because I still have no idea what is happening in this country. And God has sent me from another part of India to this country to preach from Joshua chapter 1. Do not fear. Do not be discouraged. The Lord thy God is with you. And without knowing what the situation, I come with the word in advance. Okay. That's how I ended up later, years later, teaching there, working with the underground church. But you know what? There is a living God. It's a God who speaks. But the question is, if He commands you, will you go? Will you go? He doesn't give you anything in advance. No signs in advance. You go, these, these, these things will happen. You just go. And when you go, signs happen. That is why you have to be very, very sure that you have heard. And that is the importance of of there. There is an altar. And I can command to those who have consecrated. It's a daily consecration to this altar. Let me tell you something before we pray. If you look at it, that. Now it came to pass the same night, the Lord said to him, Take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years, and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has. Cut down the wooden image that is beside it. That we'll look tomorrow. <coughs> Acts chapter 9, 11. Acts 10, 3 to 6. The Lord said to him, Arise, go to the street called Straight, inquire at the house of Judas, for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he is praying. Ten, about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius, and when he had observed him, he I was afraid. What is it, Lord? So he said to him, your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa, sent for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodging with Simon at Anna, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. Let me tell you, God knows where you live. God knows who you live with. God knows what you are doing. God knows the age of your father's bull. And it's not the first bull, the second bull. He knows even the age of your animals. You want There's nothing hidden from him. In your father's house, there are many bulls. I want the second one. Let me tell you, Gideon, I don't know whether you know it or not. It's seven years old. Seven years old. These are scary and comforting. There is nothing. Hebrews 4 and uh, verse 14 if I am right. 4.14? 13, 13. 4.13. 4.13. There is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to him, uh, to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Kirin must have been shocked when he heard your father's was seven years old. Ananas must have been shocked. Go to the street called Street, and go to this particular house. And you know what? There is a man called Saul of Tarsus, and let me tell you an honest, He's praying. Cornelius, send men to Joppa. There's a house by the beach. There's a man called Simon, Peter. Don't get confused. But there are two Simons in that house. Don't come back with the tanner. You will get. A, you will get some leather. Come back with Peter. You see how clear and specific God is? If there are two people in the same house with the same name, He will give you the surname so you don't make a mistake and go to the wrong person and get the wrong counsel. That is our God. That is our God. This is how faith comes in. We are not just reading for history or knowledge. When we read into this, you see, Lord, Lord, you are so clear. You are so specific. You are so specific. There is nothing hidden from your eyes. Why should I worry? If you know the age of Gideon's father's second bull, you definitely know the age of all my children. If you know what Saul of Tarsus is doing, which nobody knows because he's blind and shut in his room and you know he's praying, then you also know what everyone else is doing. You know, you're concerned. You're an awesome God. Awesome God. You know, Lord, This is what I was waiting for. I wanted a God like this and a father like this. This is what I was looking for. Okay? When you have built an altar, when you have consecrated your life, God will start telling you what to do. Acts chapter 9, 6, Paul falls on his face and says, what should I do? He says, arise and go to the city. It will be told you. It will be told you. I don't know anywhere anybody I have met or read any man or woman who had consecrated himself to whom God did not tell. And it would be something wrong on God's side. From the beginning, God has spoken to people who consecrated themselves. And you never know when your consecration is ready, so keep on consecrating yourself. One day it will break through and you will see God will speak. In Exodus chapter 3 verses 4 and 5 and Joshua 5.15. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him and from the midst of the bush and he said, Moses, Moses, he said, here I am. He said, don't draw near this place. Don't come close. Before that, you need to do something. Just take your shoes off. Can you take your shoes off? Can you consecrate yourself? And we in the Eastern culture know very well what taking shoes off is. You never enter a place of worship with shoes. That is what stuns Hindus and Muslims. Christians walk into churches with shoes. Why? Because in the new covenant things have changed. It is not the ground that is holy. It is you who is holy. Because the spirit of God lives in you. The prodigal son is fitted with shoes. But still in our Eastern culture churches, most churches don't allow shoes inside. shoes inside. But you know. You know what is happening? consecration take your shoes off when he takes his shoes off he's consecrated after that he hears his commission what he needs to do Okay, crossing the River Jordan circumcising the people eating the fruit of the land is all one thing but not a single city has been taken Canaan is still Canaan fortified cities and giants in the land you wanna win you wanna win your battle Unless the Lord leads you, unless the Lord gives you commands, unless the God gives you directions, we are not going to win one battle against sin, against the powers of darkness or the world. You know what God tells Joshua? Take off your sandal off your foot for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. As soon as he did, the command starts flowing. How to fight this battle? We are at war. Whether you like it or not, we are at war. You are either winning or you are losing. Even if you do not know you're at war, you're already lost. You're already lost. And if we need to win this battle, for our own sake, if not for somebody else's sake, our own sake, you need to win this battle, there needs to be consecration. There needs to be an altar. And God will tell you first that we will look what all things in your life, either you built, your forefathers built, needs to be destroyed. Before you can go out and blow the trumpet. That's why Ephesians has six chapters. One, two, three, four, five, ten, till six, ten is what you need to do to destroy the altars in your life before you get into battle. And six, ten, six, twelve onwards says, put on the full armor of God. That is when battle begins, but before that is something else, destroying altars, obeying the commands of God, breaking down the things before you can go to fight the battle. But when you fight your battle, God speaks over you more than what he spoke to Gideon. You are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. So this morning when we pray, we pray in faith. We pray in faith. And this age, this time in which we are living, like I said, we need more faith than any generation. of. There is a pandemic. That is, I mean, our nation is the worst hit now. We are overshooting other nations. We are the worst hit. I mean, each day it is different. One day it is one lakh. Second day is is two lakh. Today is 3.5 lakhs that is government figure. That means double it, put it ten times over. Okay. okay? So don't sit still and things in the world is not what you are thinking about. We may be at the, at the edge of a bubble that could burst and bring an economic collapse. And what do we need to overcome? You need <laughs> faith. And faith comes from hearing and hearing from the Word of God. And all that we learned today is that how we learn to hear? Am I hearing? Am I hearing? Come, baby. Am I hearing? Am I ready for so what is yet to come? And he's coming, you know. Revelation six. Yeah. Revelation six four talks about war. Revelation six five talks about economic collapse. The seals are being opened. The horsemen are being released. Another horse, fiery red, went out. It was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth and people should kill one another and there was given to him a great sword. Many theologians say this is the beginning of the third world war. And verse five. Verse five. He opened the third seal and heard the third living creature says, come and see. I looked and behold a black horse who had on it a pair of scales in his hand. He opened the third seal. I heard the third come and see. Okay, yeah. And I heard a voice in the midst of four living says, A quart of wheat for a dinar, is three quarts of barley for an, would not harm the oil and the wine. What is he talking about? Famine has come. But the oil and the wine, meaning, Jeff because before Zuckerberg and all will not be affected because they have their billions and they have their places. The oil and the wine is for the rich. The rich will not be touched. The poor will suffer. There will be debt and there will be famine. And these are written and it cannot be broken. And how does God's people come through? By faith? But as Philadelphia said, the hour of trouble that is coming upon the whole earth, I will keep you through it. How? Because you have very little strength, but you have kept my word. And you have not denied my name. And you have persevered. That's why we preach. Seven days now, six days a week. Why do we preach? So that people, even if we are scattered, yet we know how to stand alone and come through. Israel was scattered. Daniel was all alone, but he stood alone. That each one of us should be able to stand alone by faith with God and come through what is coming. Whether it is one year from now or ten years from now, it is coming. We don't know when it is coming. So the only thing is that prepare and be equipped and be, do not be fearful. Yes, honey. Lead us in prayer.